Have you ever pushed a beach ball underwater? What happens? It pops right back up. Have you ever pushed a baby underwater? What happens? The baby fucking dies. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. About these cheap mic cables, yeah, uh, don't touch them. Because whenever you do, your hand comes away smelling like burning metal. I don't understand what that's about. Cool. <laughs> I don't know why. But that is apparently a thing that happens now. These mic cables look like the sort of bungee cords that you would like do to like gouge out your friend's like elbow. Yeah. Uh, when you were like eight. Yeah. And didn't have enough supervision. <laughs> like hook the inside of the elbow. Like yeah. just real good. Where'd you, where'd you, where'd, where'd you find this? Where'd, yeah. you, where'd you get these mic cables from? This was uh, the same place I got the the new interface. The music go around like a secondhand music shop. Yeah. So did, did you get like? So you get the mic cables from the orphanage? Fire? They, I must have. Yeah, they're like nine bucks. So they had to have been. Jeez. <laughs> they had to have been. Don't, don't dog don't eat don't eat the uh, don't eat the free holes at music go around. Yeah. I was driving back from, I don't even remember where I was going. I think I was going to Nickel Flicks. This is a little place you can get. Uh, I'm going down Gravois. It's this big road goes all through St. Louis. And there's this dude in a tricked out Mustang. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Burning the fuck out. The dude was just he's going nuts. You know, there's people in traffic and stuff. And he's getting real close to him. And and then he he almost hits a guy. The guy flips him off. He pulls over. In a little parking lane right outside the heavy anchor, he starts to get out. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and as I drive by, sleeveless red Cardinals tee, backwards cap, Oakleys, and what is that on the side? That's right, the Punisher logo with the thin blue line. Every fucking stereotype was just all in one. <laughs> fucking Southside Hoosier. Dude, that, that spot right there outside, uh, outside the heavy anchor there on Gravoy, there's... You'll just find all kinds of weird shit. That I remember one time, gosh, it was like ten years ago. I was shooting a show, and then like Bruiser Queen were doing like a DJ night or something. Oh yeah, yeah. At Heavy Anchor, and I had to park across the street just because of the direction I was coming from, and so I had to technically jaywalk across Gravoy at ten at night, which yeah. ain't really like a hard thing to do. But there was some guy in like a fucking shit kicker <laughs> truck come by, came by as I was like in the middle lane. I was I was not walking in front of him. There was no way this guy was ever going to hit me unless he fucking floored it. Yeah. But he slowed down just enough to call me the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just remember thinking, like, man, that's just that's yeah. just that's just great. You know, yeah. like I think I was having like kind of a, a long day and I was like, that's all I needed was like some dude <laughs> look like Ken, like like melted Kenny Chesney. Right. Just being like just like sl- slowing down and being like 
Yeah. And I'm like, cool. That what does that add to any of our days? <laughs> what <laughs> What's the net positive? None on that interaction. Yeah. But that's kind of that's kind of like that little spot right there. Yeah, that is that little spot right there. These guys are just roided out over there. I don't know. Out. Yeah. But uh, this past week has been a bit of a roller coaster online. I got so much stuff to get to. I want to jump right into it. We found a guy. We found another guy, Brian. Kate Thor Jensen gets the credit for this one. He, of course, we mentioned in a previous episode about Old Man Murray and a mm-hmm. bunch of the other uh, Portal of Evil sites. He's still a hilarious Twitter personality. His post is simply, I will never leave this website. The person he's quoting, people assume because of my name that I fit into a box of sorts. Meet my wife, who has a lot in common with me. That's why we are great life partners. We're both passionate about what we believe, love family, we have seven kids between us, and have fun in most things we do. Now, that's pretty normal, except for the user's name is John Hitler. <laughs> John Hitler, ladies and gentlemen, with two T's, by the way. John John Hitler. I don't fit in a box, but I most fit, so certainly fit in an oven. Me and my wife, we have a lot of fun. Me, you know? me and my, my Frau wife, uh, we go down... We go down to the train tracks and we wave yeah. a bye to the people. We're just goodbye. a normal, happy American suburban couple. <laughs> we go having a schwitz, you know. We're going to the pool and we're just having a good old time. And there's a movie theater. And oh, I love the- my dog Blondie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. God damn. And then sometimes me, my cousin, she come over and we do water sports. <laughs> oh, it's so much fun. Oh, gosh, I love... It's a gas. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'm, at this point, I'm just going to start ripping off lines from Heil, honey, I'm home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chuds of TikTok, of course, responding. Uh, Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, six-foot-five man with the last name Hitler. Sir, you could literally start a cult if you wanted to. <laughs> um, so many great, great responses. Uh, you know, you know uh, just to stroke my ego a little bit here, I did get faved by Chuds of TikTok. Hell yeah. Hell uh, yeah. Juniper from uh, the great podcast, uh, Western Kabuki, was making some tweet about uh, 9-11 conspiracies and like, you know, like it's like a sacred holiday and then you got to do like special <laughs> preparations. I was like, don't forget to collect all your loose change, which hey. that was the only person who liked it was chose a TikTok. That, Thank you. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was good. Oh, no, it's great. Uh, uh, Make sure to collect all your loose change for it's true. George Soros. I don't know. We've got a 9-11 post coming up in a minute, but we're going to we're going to jump a little bit further back in the in the previous week. Apparently, a air conditioning company had a Facebook page that was co-run by the wife and husband. Mm-hmm. Oldsmar Air Conditioning. Well, August 26th, they posted, Oldsmar AC is no longer in business. Thank you for your support over the last 10 years. Unfortunately, Eric has decided being involved romantically with a 17-year-old is more important. <laughs> Due to his horrific actions, we've been forced to close the company, cancel all insurance, general liability, and workman's comp, and can no longer legally work in the county where they're located. Please be aware, you may be subjected to criminal prosecution and up to a $10,000 fine if you continue to authorize Eric, last name, to perform air conditioning services. Again, thank you for your support, and I deeply apologize for any and all inconvenience. Eric, you're a disgusting and a disgrace. (laughs) Yeah, that's a... Talk about owned. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any. Hope you got ten bucks, Eric. (laughs) Hope you got ten thousand bucks, dude. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, you're in perma band from life. (laughs) 
My dude's about to be. Jesus Christ. Man, like his uh, business the exact been, opposite of a dear Richard. Exactly. His ba- his business, his marriage, you know, like, like he's his absolutely kid. all his credit cards have been canceled. <laughs> he goes to the bar and nobody will serve him. Unbelievable. Some of these things, man, I just I, I can't get over them. Our good friends over at Today in Tabs had a great uh, little newsletter about a Allison Davis New York Magazine parenting and adult friendship story that was called Adorable Little Detonators. Our friendship survived bad dates, illness, marriage, fights. Why can't it survive a baby? <laughs> now, I have experience in this. I know, I know some friends who have completely uh, checked out once we had kids, and it's been a while. The quote here from the article I felt judged as if my friends were treating my decision to remain child-free as transitional, despite my once having shown up to a baby shower, bemoaning how insane it felt thanks to the plan B I'd taken the night before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. And declaring it worth it because, quote, no fucking way did I want a baby. (laughs) Did I party with this person? (laughs) I remember sitting by the pool one summer with Liz. This is the friend. She's bemoaning the death of the friendship. As she cradled her one-year-old, it felt like our friendship was finally coming back to life. We had had dinner and hours of conversation for the first time in ages the night before. I was rehashing the details of a recent situationship that had defined my summer. She mm mm-hmmed absentmindedly and nuzzled her son as he ate a peach. It was a sweet moment between them, and I thought I was touched to see my friend as fully mom. She was so distracted, or focused, depending on the perspective, she didn't notice as I trailed off. I snapped a photo of the two of them and just stared at my phone in silence, wondering who else I could start to hang out with. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, just uh, and, and it just continues on like that. My friend Liz reminded me that I had once mom-blocked her. She had just had her second child. It was her birthday weekend, and I threw a backyard barbecue with all of our friends and did not invite her. <laughs> You just had a C-section, I said in my defense. I knew you wouldn't come. I didn't want to taunt you. I actually had a very easy, very quick vaginal birth, she corrected me. I had been telling the story wrong for a year. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, she couldn't have come, obviously. She couldn't have. But would it have been so much effort for me to invite her? What I didn't tell her and what I guess she's finding out now is although I didn't mean to hurt her, the slight was not completely unintentional. Her second baby had kicked off my friend group's baby boomlet. A bigger part of me than I'd like to admit was irritated. When did all of my interesting friends become so conventional and heteronormy? I felt disappointed in this. This isn't about you! Well, you know what, though? God damn it! <laughs> you know what, though? This is, this is the sort of person that really hated John C. Riley, and uh, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> And I, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we just wow. need to, we, we can't raise a kid here. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie. It's so weird. It's so weird. Like, John, he, he does a fantastic job. Yeah. No, but, he's, but it's just he's so just, weird that yeah. it's like, it's it's Steve Brule. Yeah. He's been like, we can't raise the, we can't raise the kid here, you dingus. Yeah. <laughs> it's, for, it's for his health. For uh, his He's going to die here. I don't bemoan that mother because, uh, yeah, this this woman sounds like a nightmare to be friends. Oh, with. this person, I, this person sounds awesome. <laughs> like I, I totally, yeah, identify. You like, would side with the friend over the over the mom. I've known some really tedious people about their children, like people I've known. Yeah. 
every parent is tedious about their sure. children when they first when they're first two. You know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's gonna happen. But you can't just like blow up a friendship. Because no, I mean, like not like blow up a friend. Like I ain't just, I, I'm just not like going to try and like make plans around that person for a minute. Yeah, and that's fine. But man, it, then it becomes years, and then you just never see that person again. Which yeah, is exactly what happened to me, and it sucks. There's like people I went to high school with that I haven't seen in years. I was like, I'm like, was like still friendly with like online, like yeah. post high school for quite a while. And they get married and they have kids, and right. then I start hearing from like our mutual friends about like yeah you know like they got all these fucking kids and it's just kind of a bummer to hang out with them because you got away from the go to bed before you can like smoke weed and watch you know like discovery channel and i'm like sure yeah that does sound kind of lame when we would just go over to his apartment and do that <laughs> right <laughs> okay you know like that, it depends on that friend but like man i can understand as a parent or a child haver, a breeder. Yeah. Child haver. <laughs> breeder. <laughs> Damn. The, the, you might feel a little defensive here. You feeling called out, Jason? Just a touch, yeah. <laughs> you feeling... A, My kids oh, are 13 you, now, so they're why don't cool. You, uh, why don't you have some more kids about it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't had that accident on a bicycle. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm just like... I get mad on behalf of the mom because I've been there, but... Oh, boy. Oh, we're uh, talking about a guy who absolutely positively should be redacted. Yes. Tim Gurner, founder and CEO of the Gurner Group, which, based on what I understand, doesn't actually do or produce anything, said... Oh, excellent. So he's a useless eater? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, said uh, at a uh, financial review pro- property summit, quote, we need to see pain in the economy... Unemployment needs to jump to 40 to 50%. Employees think employers should be thankful for them. We need to kill that. <laughs> Which, of course, prompted a lot of people to uh, talk about redacting uh, these guys and uh, doing all sorts of nasty things to them. Of course, I said, if I said what this made me think, I would be banned in an instant. Oh, gosh, you know, the fucking the ATF would be knocking down my front door. <laughs> you know, and it was the, the, the most terrifying thing about this guy. This yep. is the same guy. This the avocado fucking toast guy. That's right. <laughs> the reason, the reason why like you can't own a house. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't that house prices have quadrupled mm. in 20 years. Mm-mm. It isn't that wages have stayed stagnant in nope. comparison to everything else. It's nope. that y'all can't stop buying that avocado toast. That, one interview at one time started an entire fucking thing. Every time I hear people older than me talk about, you know, the the the, the younger people, fucking avocado toast comes up. This one guy says some dipshit thing in Australia, and my dipshit uncle-in-law thinks he knows exactly what the problem with kids these days is. That's fucking insane to me. $22 a pop for avocado toast, by the way, is over fucking price. If you ever pay for that, you are probably making bad financial decisions to begin with. Let's go there. I think the only time I have ever had avocado toast or been anywhere that you could buy it, I think it was under 10 bucks. Right. And it was fine. It's two ingredients. It's bread and avocado. This had like locks on it or like this was like a little. Even so, shouldn't be more than 10 bucks. Yeah. yeah. It was it was fucking tasty. It wasn't as filling as it should have been. But as far as like a experience, like it was whatever. It was fine. I'm not going to eat it every day. I don't think anyone's bankrupting themselves for avocado <laughs> toast 
or Quizzos. They're outside the, they're standing outside the breakfast restaurant, just like holding their arm, like Daddy needs a taste. I just need to get a little bit, just to get me through just, the day, this, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they're sitting there. They get. They finally get an avocado, and they're waiting for the ripen. They're like dropping it on the sidewalk. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Just they're having a time with it, yeah. They they gotta go to like avocado meetings and have you know they they got an avocado sponsor. It's just a guy named Jose. It's just a, bunch, it's just a bunch of guys with and like you know the real t- rough addicts are. They got like a knife mark through their palm. <laughs> Stains from the avocado skin on the palm. God, of the you know my favorite yeah. thing about cut up an avocado is like you know you kind of cut the the outline yeah with the center is your your focal point right. and then you can like crack it open and then you just like slap the blade of the knife into the yes. fucking pit yeah you rip it out and you're like ah oh, this is what it must have been like to be like you know french during the revolution yeah you're cutting something vital out of someone you know yeah with like a, a, something super sharp and yeah it's like <laughs> chuck it into the fucking, hell yeah yeah yeah, that's right. <laughs> Someone who calls themselves a Camille Paglia stands. So let's go ahead and let that dog out of the cage. Oh, you got misgendered, you poor thing. In 2001, on September 11th, <laughs> I witnessed two airplanes try to fly into the World Trade Center. I was 11 years old. Your trauma is being called the wrong pronouns. Shut the fuck up. They finally made 9-11... A thing you can attack trans people with. Finally. It took them long enough. <laughs> Did Building 7 collapse because it was misgendered? <laughs> I identify as uh, Thermite. I can't get a good one off because I just, I can't fathom that level of like pettiness to be like, oh yeah, yeah, you, you're, you're having some dysphoria, huh? Well, I saw 9-11, so shut up. What the fuck is this? What does it have to do with anything? What do you? Is this grievance? It's just oh, I know. being mad at the world, being unimportant and feeling unimportant in the world and realizing that all of this terribleness you can't control. But the one thing you yeah. can do is focus your terribleness on a minority population. Oh, yeah. Well, what about 9-11? Fuck, I thought we left this behind 20 years ago. I thought we <laughs> Just like Benghazi. <laughs> it ain't going away. It ain't going away. Well, I mean, for a couple of years after 9-11 actually happened, you could turn about just about anything and be like, yeah, well, now what about 9-11? Yeah, but now twenty years removed from that period, you know, right right before we reinvaded Iraq, I think you know it's kind of lost a little bit of that luster. It doesn't have the juice anymore. You can't get someone with the "What about nine eleven?" It's been too long. Now the "What about nine eleven?" is like, boy, that was bad. Like invading Afghanistan, and yeah, yeah, you could you could do you could do that, but I mean. That's a little bit more fresh, at least. But fucking, sure. like, it, oh, oh, you got called the wrong gender? Well, I, I want... It makes me think of that Brian Regan bit where he's like at a party with Neil Armstrong. <laughs> and anyone has a story, Neil Armstrong's going to be like, oh, yeah? Well, I walked on the moon. Yeah. It's that same shit. You, that there's same- <laughs> two chicks at once. You just be like, it's cool, man, but uh, what about the moon? Yeah. <laughs> you know the moon? I've been there. Been there. <laughs> Thought about golf. <laughs> but of a flag maybe you've seen it just oh yeah well what about jeez oh, I, I can't get over that just like what about 9-11 what about it did I tell you that on 9-11 in my math class I was sitting next to this kid and we're just like watching like CNN and they got Tom Clancy on there going, oh rrr, Jesus rrr, rrr, rrr. yeah you know rabbling like like a fucking VFW hall during an earthquake well he had the hat on he had the uh, the POWMAA hat on but I just remember the kid sitting next to me uh, just being like, uh, yeah, I don't know if he really had anything to do with it, but Saddam's fucked. And I just remember being like, 
damn, you might be right. And yeah. that kid has gone the gone to live a life where I sometimes think he is a government asset. Mm. <laughs> like he he's like gone to school in China, has like dual citizenships all over the world. Like we're still Facebook friends. Like is is this one of those things where like either you just like have like a really weird life or like you've like are being are going to like knock over a government like in <laughs> in Africa one day. I was in college. I was in my dorm, uh, sleeping in with my uh, girlfriend, which would later be my wife. My wife. Thank you. My roommate was this real meathead. <laughs> He's like, bro, yeah. someone doesn't know how to fly, dog. No, well, <laughs> no. Uh, he was going to be junior ROTC anyway, because he mm-hmm. was already like gung-ho. He was going to go do his service or whatever. And he barges in. It's a dorm where we have the bunk beds, and he's on top and I'm on bottom. And I've got I had my girlfriend stay over, so he was like on the couch watching TV in the middle of the night. Barges and he's like, "Dude, we're going to war." I'm like, half awake. <laughs> Dave, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? And then he's like, "Come on, check it out," and right pulls pulls me to the to the the little communal area that we had, and right as he starts pointing at the television, the second plane hit. <laughs> And I was oh, like, Jesus. fuck, Dave, I think you might be right. jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, just what a weird thing to have happen. Hey, dude, we're going to war. <laughs> Yo, check this out. Yeah. What? That, oh, dude, that wasn't supposed to happen yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're like early. Yeah. I missed my flight. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> did you see the tweet about the guy? I was talking about he was like kind of talking about his nine eleven experience about he was almost on one of the flights, mm. but his coworker yeah uh, told him not to take the job <laughs> or told him not to take the because they don't take like that flight. Or, yeah. It was like take a train or take like a like or drive. It was oh, going to be more right. efficient. He didn't that, take and, the job either because he he he. Did I can't the, remember how it goes. He did the interview and didn't take the job. Uh, such a no, weird... no, I don't think we're talking about the same thing because this guy is. This seems this guy seems like an absolute fucking parasite and a terrible human being because he talks about basically how his coworker, who I think might have been a subordinate in some way, saved his life by recommending that he does not take this flight, and he fired her. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you kept me from getting nine eleven, but your uh, your work performance really leaves something to be desired. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> I had forgotten about that. It was such a weird day with all kinds of 9-11 tweets. That one just kind of... Oh, uh, well, the fucking... The worst fucking thing at work. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, no, it's just every single person coming in, and they're checking stuff in, get repaired, whatever. And they're like, what's today? And I'm just like... And it's all fucking shit kickers. Right. Like, you and said I, and never I really want... You know, like, it's this there. Like, if I were a bad open mic comedian, this would be just like fucking pot shots left and right because everyone's like what day is it and i'll be like oh man i thought y'all said you never forget yeah <laughs> huh. it's my favorite knock knock joke by the way it's knock knock who's there 9 11 9 11 who you said you'd never forget yeah <laughs> but just the whole entire fucking day everyone's just like what day is it and i'm like it's the 11 yeah you're you're wondering if they're baiting you yeah <laughs> i would be wondering that too i mean yeah. I, I know like normally i don't I sort of look just like I need to get fucking trimmed up. I'm starting to look like the sort of guy that would get an STD from a condom blowjob at Sturgis. So sure, like, sure. I feel like I'm blending in a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit too much, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I don't put on like a quarter pound of like fucking beard grease every morning like some guys That's in that fair. world That's do. Fair. But anyways. We got one more thing. 
Well, two things. Apparently, Mexico did a big press conference the other day saying, here's some aliens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was very quickly like debugged. Like these these little 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 uh, stone-looking critters. Yeah, I don't know who's uh, going to get fooled by that. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it, it, looks, it looks literally like... It looks like it looks like dehydrated chicken. <laughs> they say it was found in Peru in 2017. They said they did x-rays and all this stuff. And they said, you know, I can affirm that these bodies have no relation to human beings. Yeah, it's because they're fake. Hmm. <laughs> like they're, they're like it's made of clay. Like the... it, it, it'd be like Michelle Bachman showing like a, uh, an x-ray of the Constitution and be like, there's nothing here about gay marriage. <laughs> exactly. And then the last thing for the uh, for the recent events uh, section here, of course, good pal Cat Turd 2 took to Twitter the other day. I'm sorry, he calls it X, so let's, let's respect his wishes. I'm blocked by Elon Musk. I support President Tupac Trump. I'm throttled. I'm censored. I'm shadow banned. I'm attacked, doxxed, demonized by the liberal press, harassed at my own home by reporters, and I still don't give a fuck. I think I'm turning into an ex-gangster. Cry laughing emoji. <laughs> this is like the most I'm not owned a man has ever been. <laughs> Without is well, I guess is he divorced? Oh, uh, I, I don't know, but he definitely gives off. He gives off some divorce energy. energy. Yeah. Um, boy, this is a guy. I would love to be this guy's like weed dealer because you could charge him <laughs> any price, and he'd probably be like two fifty oh. for an eighth. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> uh the I'm supposed to also smoke the stems. Okay, cool. You're just literally just giving him something that, like, you, like, a you literal You could give brick. that motherfucker a bag of oregano. He wouldn't know the difference. I only smoke mids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's actually divorced, but you're right. He does have a divorced dad energy because, boy, you know, he plays in a shitty rock band. Or played. Or played. You did. That's right. Uh, I think he needs to get the band back together. Fucking get off Twitter, dude. <laughs> just let's, Fucking let's go, go. do anything else. Go do <laughs> anything else. Turn into an ex-gangster. Fuck you. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? All right, Brian, it's time for our favorite part of the show. Of course, it's the Crypto Scam O of the Week. You're listening to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, the podcast. And now it's time for the Crypto Scam of the Week. I'm talking about, of course, Vitalik Buterin's Twitter account getting hacked to promote a scam. That's right. That's right. Vitalik Buterin, of course, inventor, leader of the Ethereum Project. Hacked to promote a crypto scam. This courtesy, of course, Molly White Web3 is going great. A tweet posted to his compromised account advertised a commemorative NFT to celebrate the impending release of, quote, proto-dank sharding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Proto-dank sharding, which was the actual name for the upcoming change to the Ethereum protocol. So that is the part that gets me is that it's not just a joke. Someone is actually using that as a name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine it's it's a shorthand for something, and that just happened to be like, oh, that sounds that sounds clever or good enough, right? I think it's something that's supposed to actually reduce the carbon impact of Ethereum because that's just good. Yeah, VB's big thing is if we actually want crypto to be viable in some way, like it needs to be as efficient as possible, mm -hmm. which is probably a more noble thing that most people are doing with yeah. crypto oh yeah of course the link was a scam anyone who connected their wallet risked having their wallet drained of crypto and nfts some blue chip nfts were stolen including two crypto punks the floor price of uh, 47 eth or seventy six thousand dollars stolen assets surpassed six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in value within a few hours according to of course the master sleuth on the blockchain zach xbt 
although this counts notoriously difficult to value NFTs. The tweet did get taken down about 20 minutes after it was posted. Posting a link to a wallet drainer was probably among the least effective things the attacker could do with the Twitter account of a person whose word can actually move markets. Molly is correct there. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what you chose. to You had access to this guy's account, and that's what you chose to do with it? Yeah. I feel like that's a wasted opportunity. Oh, God, yeah. Pump my bags, asshole. <laughs> Is anything? I don't know. I feel like, Dude, that's yeah, like... fucking post goatsy. Yeah, that's why I would have done. Get your special goatsy NFT. Yeah, it looks like CryptoPunks. I'm, I'm a lady. I'm a lady. Yeah, a me bit, a, a cool cat, a couple other ones there. We're uh, we're, we're God, part of the cool hall. Cat. I haven't fucking seen one of those in forever. Yeah, six hundred ninety-one k drained. Another thirty-three percent in drainer fee address. So this is another. Uh, 73% of that particular wallet was NFTs. 20 minutes. That's all it took to make uh, half a milch. Good work if you can find it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a hoot. Was there something else that, that you... Yeah, Zach, about? and this this one's kind of a little lengthy to explain, but Zach XPT a couple days ago started posting exposés about a couple crypto Twitter influencers, Petrobyte, Trader CZ, a couple other people. Not the actual CZ, but a guy who called himself yeah, Trader CZ. Yeah, there's like Trader Dank, Statstart. Um, there's all kinds of people in the crypto Twitter space. But basically what, what was going around was that there were people that were basically scamming projects. Okay. Or saying they were coming on to a project. Uh, one of them was Pal AI. Cash ticker is P-A-A-L where this is supposed to be like an AI chat bot that can help you with trading and like a telegram channel. Um, they've gotten money from Google. And as far as what they're doing, they seem like they're kind of a little whip smart, but they decided to give like full percent points of the supply to like two or three influencers who just kind of immediately dumped for hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> oh no. Uh, which, oh, no. yeah, which is pretty fucking terrible. These guys dumped mm. and never did they tweet that they had been given tokens or anything like that. They were just kind of really taking advantage of their clout and their Twitter followers to just keep doing this. And there's so many crypto twitter guys that if you look at a project that they promote that's kind of struggling or isn't like it does it's not like a blue chip it doesn't have legs under it just yet it almost always fuck it there's so many fucking charts where it's like i'll see a guy tweet about a project i'm like that project's gonna be dead in like an hour yeah and i'll go check the chart like before i go to bed and like i'm like yeah you can see here on the hour chart right when he tweeted it was that was like the top of the chart and it's just a fucking ski slope down from there. Now, was this Trader NJ? NJ. Yeah. I think there's a CZ. There's a couple other guys. Petabyte. If you want to just see how fucking weird and corrupt and just like how much in the crypto space people can be like very professional and forward thinking and then like literally just give like a hundred thousand dollars worth of crypto to just some random guy who, <laughs> who's mostly anonymous right probably some dude that lives like in western africa or like northern europe that's usually where they are every once in a while they're like a guy that lives in singapore the amount of people that just kind of willfully scam in the in the crypto space is kind of fucking amazing wow this this particular one uh, back on september 10th is is a breakdown of how they pumped and dumped six figures of shit. Yeah, go check it out. 
And then blaming the projects when they get caught. That's a fun yeah. one. Oh, a lot of times. Yeah, and there's a, I've seen a couple crypto projects where it doesn't seem like anyone's really trying to fuck anyone else <laughs> anyone over. And yet <laughs> and yet, you know, they give like a some they give like half a percentage of allocation to like some crypto influencer. He doesn't fucking do anything and just dumps. And you're like, cool, cool. Pretty good example to not get involved with crypto yes. is that there's just so many ways you can get fucked. It's not always easy to know who's on the level because some people that might seem trustworthy are lot, taking it on the side. Yeah. People, a lot of people um, and a lot of people that seem shady all of a sudden will seem yeah. trustworthy and uh I, it just looks like a fucking barrel full of piss and shit sounds about right yeah. maybe uh maybe you should go down to your local bank and get like a cd or something or yeah you'd probably be better off your rate of return would definitely be uh better because you'll at least you know have the money you invested <laughs> this is true you won't lose anything even if your rate of return is like a sub one percent like it has been for the past year you're still not losing it call a financial advisor get somebody who will you know do it for a fee or something. I don't know. Call a fiduciary. I don't know. Not financial advice. We are not, uh, you know. We're just two assholes in a garage. <laughs> Speaking of assholes in a garage, probably the worst segue for this, but our our main topic this week. That transition was baby soft. <laughs> that is, of course, a phrase used commonly by a gentleman go by the name of Big Ghost. Now, Big Ghost, this was I was not into this at all until you started sending me links this week. So can you give me the, the bit of the pressy on, on Big Ghost? Here? Sure. So Big Ghost is a mostly anonymous individual who started a blog in like 2010 or 2011 where they were kind of writing an approximation of the syntax and the style uh, and manner of speech perhaps you could say, mm -hmm. of the famous Wu-Tang rapper Ghostface Killer. Ah, a.k.a. Tony Starks, a.k.a. Pretty Tony, so forth and so on, yeah. <laughs> Bobby Boulders. <laughs> yeah, 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 my dude, my dude, all right, all right. I love, I love me some ghosts. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I think my first exposure was Jay from I Don't Even Own a Television mm. posting on Facebook when me and him were still Facebook friends, a link to one of the uh, listicles that this man wrote that was the the five softest and words in the game. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Just to keep to keep us from having the pause, we'll just say dudes. There you go, because that's kind of like the white guy equivalent of of that word in the if way. If I'm ever at karaoke, by the way, my go-to is brothers or chickens. That's the two chickens. Because chickens is fit. At least, you, at least you're not saying ninjas. Like no, God, God yeah, I hate that, that. That's way too close. Yeah, because uh, especially if you're like too loped out, chickens going crazy. Then I'm like, okay, that's funny. So. Funny white guy saying the N-word story. <laughs> and this kind of goes back to what we're talking about, fa no, no, fa funny enough. Yeah, yeah. So I once got to see Ghostface Live. Mm. It was at 2720 oh, Cherokee. I missed that show. So I heard it was uh, so good. It was pretty good. The whole the whole entire thing is a big, big St. Louis fucking music scene vibe. Is a dude won't come to St. Louis for like 10 years. Yeah. And they'll come back and it'll be, they'll be behind their worst fucking thing they've ever done. Oh, yeah. That where it's like, where good. it's like, uh, <laughs> like I got to see the first, the first only time I ever got to see Aesop Rock Live, what he was touring behind is something I could never give a shit about. You could fucking threaten to shoot me in the foot. I'm like, just fucking. But it was actually, it was a, uh, he sold out like Delmar Hall. And I, d I don't really like a lot of Myron Aesop Rock. And I'm like, dude, these new songs are fine. Like, I don't really dig the production. I'm like a Labor Days, like Bazooka Tooth, Aesop yeah, Rock fan, yeah, yeah. Float, like the early, early stuff. 
And it wasn't until I was like walking out of the venue that he did like a song from Labor Days. And I was like, this is, this is the last song I want to hear from Labor Days. And I'm like, this, all right, I'm just fucking going home. Yeah. But it was behind this record where he had like a live band that was like all old white dudes with beards, which, and they're like, it was like obviously like studio oh, yeah. jazz guys. Yeah, yeah. It was like fun. It kind of worked. It was all right. But I remember they, his hype man was Killer Priest. Okay. It was Killer Priest and Ghost. Okay. One of the few things that like people really got into was that they did shimmy shimmy yaw shimmy. You know. Oh damn, yeah, okay. And Ghost is like, yo, hey yo, anyone anyone can do. Oh no, the ODB part. The oh, ODB no. part. Oh no. And oh, no. this guy comes up who looks like the most. It was like a, a like if you took the transportation machine from the fly, <laughs> and you took a Mark McGuire bobblehead and a Carnhart jacket. I'm seeing it in my mind. Clear, yeah. clear as crystal. Okay. And so just like a chubby white dude yeah. from like Jefferson County kind of looking guy. Yeah, yeah. Like comes up and like ghosts <laughs> and kill a priest are like, you can do it. You you can do it. Like you can. Can you do it? And the guy is like, yes. Like full okay. confidence. Yeah. And this white boy who probably was like 45 years old proceeds to fucking kill it. However, as he's doing the verse... He's thinking a couple lines ahead, and he's looking at Killer Priest like the words coming up. Oh no! <laughs> and Killer Priest is like, Killer Priest is like, you kill it, man. Just do it. Just do it. Just oh, kill it. I'm like, pass. All right. He got the pass. <laughs> Guy said it with the soft A, and people lost their goddamn shit. The dude was a hero, and it was like, that was actually kind of neat. That was a little scary for a second. Like it was, like, it was yeah. like the everyone's adrenaline was going. It's like this white guy is about to drop the in bomb. He can't stop the flow. He's it's like speed. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like this guy is locked in, and he, but he's like he knows. Oh, he knows it's coming. Especially Shimmy Yaw. Jesus, I mean, it's a this fucking chubby white boy just fucking killed it. Anyways, and that kind of comes back to kind of the weird thing about us talking about big coasts is that yeah. so much of this is written in a syntax. And in a manner of speaking, that's a little hard for two white guys in a garage in the Midwest to kind of do. Yeah, it is a without. Very, it's a very strange choice, but I think we're gonna make it work because I, I personally I love ghosts and and so like I think I can kind of get it. I don't know the best way to tackle it is, but the kind of get back to what I was talking about. <laughs> Jay sh- shared this list, and I just couldn't stop fucking laughing because everything is so fucking funny, and he hates Drake. Yeah. And there's nothing more. I think Drake's probably my least favorite rapper, like yeah. contemporary mainstream rapper. That was just kind of one of those things. Like even 10 years ago, I'm like, this guy kind of sucks. Was he like in Degrassi? Like mm-hmm. his name's like Aubrey. These lists that he would write every year, like the five wackest dudes in the game were always so fucking funny because it'd be like Mac Miller, like yeah. Soldier Boy. Drake was always on there. J. Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, just like Lupe Fiasco was there one year yeah it's just absolutely fucking savage and it's hilarious yeah wale (laughs) (laughs) when son brought his slave wave to the game nobody thought he would amount to shit be nobody and they was right (laughs) (laughs) this guy was apparently so good writing in this style that was Khalifa, I believe it was Khalifa, thought that that was really ghost and like he went on a radio show. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I read this guy and uh, Ghost did come on and say that wasn't me. <laughs> it's all love, fam. 
Because it was like a blog spot. And the only way I could send you these these stories, these links, was like a weird mobile version. Because if you go to the actual blog spot page, like there's some weird fucking shit parked on there and I can't read it. Yeah. So there's this one (laughs) post. uh, He posted in summer 2011. Where uh, he is the new softest motherfucker in the game, Wiz Khalifa Rose. And it's a photo of Wiz Khalifa kissing like her navel. At the, Amber Rose. at the fly level. He's at, at the, the fly level. He's getting in there. He's getting that dirty. He wants like, girl, I want to taste that dirty penny. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh. But maybe one of the greatest paragraphs of shit talking ever written oh, yeah. congratulations oh, yeah. dude you're in the class that only human the only the human estrogen shake aubrey can fuck with you in aubrey of course being drake y'all motherfuckers is like muhammad ali and george foreman of soft dudes if y'all dudes <laughs> ran towards each other and collided there would just be a big splash and both y'all dudes would be gone and all that would be left is a puddle of lotion and some tie-ass clothes on the crown and the aroma of turmoil Anyways, I ain't got nothing personal against him, but I'm going to probably have to slap the shit out of son just based off of principle alone when I see that dude. Like I told him before, <laughs> I might go and have to do some harm to him just to restore virtue or some shit like that. You know what I mean? So, Wiz, I'm going to braid your arms together when I see you, son. All right, peace. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Just an amazing paragraph of shit talking and... My my mixed race girlfriend probably going to be very upset with me. Yeah, and that's you know what? Okay, that's because uh, actually we were sitting on the couch <laughs> this past weekend, and I was like, I just like remembered this website existed because I was like talking about how much I hate Drake, and I was like, oh, who's that guy that wrote like Ghostface? <laughs> and so I just like was googling him, was like reading stuff, just reading it off to her, and she's just like, yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, you get the, that's funny from, oh boy. I was like, you know what? Our guest dropped out because we're stupid and uh, I, we need something. And there was like some other things I could have taken Lee on, but I want to actually do some like more research. Oh yeah. But, like this one we can just, oh, we can, we can get like 20 minutes out of this. In a, uh, a piece by Passion of the Weiss, they did an interview with Big Ghosts in 2020. Yep. Yep. They referred to his references to Drake, naming him a human croissant. <laughs> Who had been bit by the radioactive butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) And that his album Take Care was, quote, the code of Hammurabi for dudes with iPhones and females who hate rap. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. He described a beat as the soundtrack to, quote, quirky white folk like Zoe Deschanel or somebody Wilson exchanging witty dialogue between themselves while trying to save whales and drink warm soy beverages. (laughs) After a 2011 lawsuit, this is a real thing that happened, Wu-Tang Corporate, which I forgot was a thing, Wu-Tang Corporate took legal action to shut down the blog uh, due to what they called an infringement. Basically, you know, you're writing like ghosts, you're doing a ghost voice, this is our guy, we're going to take you to court. So, 2011, they got the site shut down. And it was around that time, 2015, Big Ghost actually started producing music on his own. Yep. So that is a hell of a thing. From a critic to a music creator. I was he's, he's actually worked with Ghostface himself. Yep. And yeah, you know, I listened to a little bit of stuff. It's not bad. It's just kind of like your standard like 
boom bap like you know kind of doing some piano samples and a little bit of vocals it's good it's fun yeah i mean some people love it um, yeah you know i'm a big fan of that one that he did with 38 special which is a bullet for every heathen mm-hmm. i didn't realize that was him so i was like oh okay all right i like that record yeah um it's got some bangers yeah so it's very strange to go from that but here's a 2020 uh interview during the early days of the pandemic uh, Passion of the Weiss asking, Hope Hall as well as your end of lockdown is intriguing to you about how you're dealing with it. Big Ghost Limited. I'm already accustomed to locking myself down, so to speak. I'm antisocial. I prefer to be at peace. I enjoy to have time to focus. I do this even when it's not a global pandemic. And then talking about anonymity. I never wanted to be famous. I never craved fame that I would do anything to be popping, like do clown shit. This clout chasing thing was never a factor. If it was, I would have just went viral one time in my life and that would have been it you can rely on shock tactics and corny antics or go find a purpose in what you do the anonymity allows me to not mix the creative and the personal gotta gotta give it up for that that's a fine line to walk let's see here made beats since the 90s it was just never something i had the opportunity to pursue seriously same way i could freestyle verses for half hour without repeating myself but i was never out there like that i was always like this anomaly i was cool just having these weapons in my arsenal ready to go Under blogging, I saw it as my opportunity to silence a lot of the motherfuckers who was asking me what made me feel entitled to shit on artists in my album reviews, or just in general, making assumptions about me off hearsay, and for the little degenerates trying to fabricate my background story, I was like, okay, bet, but let me put this foot on your neck for the next while as far as this music shit. Here it is. You've grown relatively silent about the current crop of rappers, because I do, you know, I'm kind of curious what he thinks about, you know, I said what I needed to say, and truthfully, what I was saying back then can still apply to artists now, but the lack of integrity among artists who could actually make a difference is what made it hard to actually take that shit to the next level. Except for Pusha T, he put integrity before everything. So, yeah. <laughs> Does this mean we're going to get a Pusha T, Big X, uh, you know, Big Ghost collabo? I wouldn't rule it out. Not yeah, a lot. Fucking, even GQ interviewed this guy. It's true. Back in the day. <laughs> Which is wild to think about. I love his his riffs on. Let me find this because this was one that just Lil B. Yes, God. Hey yo, can we get Lil B the fuck out of here now, son? <laughs> <laughs> it's the headline. His brother painting himself as a messiah, and dumb little brothers is eating that shit up. G. This brother is a fucking retard. B. <laughs> 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 I'd be consuming that fast food from time to time, son. No, I mean, I do be listening to that ignorant shit from time to time. Brothers like Killa and Sean Price don't necessarily surprise brothers with brain candy and shit, G. They ain't spreading no message of upliftment or nothing. They ain't picking up where MLK left off or nothing like that. Word is bond. I don't consider that shit fast food either. But there's mad brothers that got their little club joints, and I'm not mad at them. This dude is worse than fast food, son. <laughs> this brother is the French fries sitting in the oil too long and shit. That's what he represents. There ain't no nutrition left. Son ain't even good enough to hang with the rest of the French fry. <laughs> Too greasy. Big Sean is a French fry, but you can take something from that at the end of the day. He might got some essential nutrients left in him. There might be some random minerals in that brother's music and shit. I don't think he liked Lil B. No, no. <laughs> this brother's whole existence is offensive to mankind. <laughs> He's not 12. He's 23. Nas was 20 when he came up with Illmatic, son. Y'all want to put the brother like this on a pedestal, though? Calling his album I'm Gay? Nah, son. Fuck this dude. Heart Pete and Pulse, son. This is how a lot of brothers get their bread, fam. <laughs> he's, trying <to> live. <laughs> he's trying to live off this shit and put food on the table, but they aren't. He's taking up space. They're going to argue about he has nothing, you know, hasn't hurt anybody and let him live. No. Son is 
Harden the game up. He making it so that brother's getting brushed aside for not being flamboyant enough. Fuck out of here with that. Support real hip hop, you morons. I right, peace. <laughs> like, he doesn't even have a clever turn of phrase. He just hates this dude. <laughs> he yeah. Fucking hates it. There's like structure when he fucking talks shit on like Drake or, right. or Wiz. Yeah. But, but this we'll, is just we'll a be. block of angry text. Yeah. He's just done. What a dude. I like this guy. For many years, I always felt like someone understood me when i said i didn't like drake yeah i worked in this warehouse where we we're always listening to 1041 which is like the local hip-hop channel i'm a little fucking backpacker indie hip-hop guy like i wrote in my fucking ajj review that the fucking crowd couldn't fucking wake up for open mike eagle and i thought that was a little fucking trite yeah i've seen some of my favorite rappers play to like 75 people in st louis and then yeah. they never come back because yeah. uh why would they yeah. When they can just go play Chicago or go play Columbia and have fun instead of coming to St. Louis and feel bad that they took this promoter's money. <laughs> like, yeah. So I don't really listen to a lot of mainstream hip hop. Right. And by working with these dudes, listening to 1041, and I actually realized, like, oh, wow, mainstream hip hop is actually really, you know, this is probably like three or four, two or three years ago. I'm like, oh, wow, and mainstream hip hop's a lot of fun. This is like Cardi B, Wass, Pussy yeah. era. And like, oh, there's a lot of stuff on here. It's really cool. But every single time I heard something that just like fucking pissed me off. Yeah. Like, I'd be in the middle of something like, yo, we got to turn that down. Yeah. Like, man, what's this fucking angel fucking angel soft shit going on? And, like, and they'd be like, oh, that's Drake, baby. I'm like, man, Drake needs to fucking stop. Yeah. Like, this dude. You're not wrong. This, this, that dude's whole life is a pullout method. <laughs> what I really like about Big Ghost in particular is his just turns of phrases, which do sound just like Ghostface. Uh, at the top of every page, of course, you are now in the presence of cocaine biceps. Uh, <laughs> He opens his Kendrick Lamar Good Kid Mad City review with, Hey, yo, what up? You're now in the presence of the magnificent Phantom Raviolis, a.k.a. the high and exalted shampoo bracelets, the panty melter, otherwise known as the mighty hands of Zeus in the flesh. But y'all won't know me as the glorious cocaine biceps, a.k.a. galaxy knuckles, a.k.a. volcano hands, or the illustrious big ghost himself. He spends three sentences (laughs) introducing himself. (laughs) And uh, there's a guy in St. Louis here, a guy named Matt Basler. He opens every video just like that. And he is like, hey, it's Matt, a.k.a. Shiny Drawers, a.k.a. Big Dog. That's also a ghost face thing. Like, ghost just has so many names for himself. He just, like, rattles them off. Boy, he really loved this Kendrick album, and I can... I can see why. Kendrick Lamar's future of hip-hop, uh, once in a decade that an MC of this caliber is going to change the way people rap, and then, and then just uses it as an excuse to talk shit on Jay-Z for a while. <laughs> for about the last 10 or so years, Jay-Z's been a pre-ripe and good target, if you really want to say some shit about where hip-hop is. No, absolutely. As a white guy in his mid-30s, I like to think, yeah. I know something about, <laughs> about hip-hop. But yeah, I think there there are a lot of people who don't look like me and who are smarter than me about this stuff that uh, I think have said some pretty poignant things about Jay-Z. Jay-Z's kind of a terrible person. Yeah, as a person, but also just like as a performer. Or as a not not as a performer. I'm sure his live shows are interesting, but I'm, as a recording artist. Yeah. He has not had a consistently good album since the last one that he did with it was him and Kanye. And even that was mostly Kanye's album. Yeah. It was the Watch the Throne. Yeah, the biggest laughs I got on that record, the, the production was all was all Kanye. It's like, yeah, it's that's that's Kanye's album. Jay's, I, I mean, it did, give, it did give us it did give us the greatest question in the world, which was uh, who was in Paris? <laughs> who was in Paris? Yes, <laughs> it's not the album that has the uh, put the pussy in a sarcophagus album, but it is the is the one right. That right is after one of it. the weirdest. Nicki Minaj fucking <laughs> eats it up, 
<laughs> but I but I mean, funny. I remember this I remember uh, just driving around when that song came out, and we'd just be listening to that song over and over again, just to get to the part where like, you ever had sex with a pharaoh? I put the pussy in a sarcophagus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the dumbest one. The dumbest. I mean, Kanye excels at being dumb, and I think that's where I think a lot of his charm comes from. Sure, but, but didn't Jay Z completely misunderstand what was going on with that? Oh, song? with the monster verse, yeah, yeah, and, and, and especially with monster, is like listen to everyone else who's on this track with you: Nicki Minaj, Rick Ross. You got outshined by all of them. Like, yeah. how did that happen? You're supposed to be Jay Z, Hova, you know? Like, yeah, and the, like Nicki Minaj was new still. Yeah. So, like, this was like a feature for her. She didn't yeah. have an album out. It's always weird talking shit on Jay Z, but it's also very easy. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's like, you know, Homer, it's very easy to criticize. Fun, too. <laughs> uh, he does say about Good Kid Mad City, he says, uh, you know, I'm saying even straight out of Compton had something to dance to on it. Even worse, Paid in Full had two joints where it was just Eric B. doing some of the worst scratching and cutting down to man. The Blueprint had Jigga That Brother on it. Like, I'm saying even the most classic shit going to have missteps or whatever. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. The Blueprint does have a lot of dog shit tracks on it. And yeah, something to dance to? Jesus Christ. How did that... I think that was contractual obligation. They just had to have, like, one more song on it. Like, here's some dog shit we put together in, like, a day and a half. <laughs> yeah. Because every once in a while, I got the satellite radio, and I listen to a, uh, a channel that uh, LL Cool J put together. It's called Rock the Bells. It's all like classic hip-hop. It's great. But then every once in a while, there'll be fucking something to dance to. will be put on like, God damn it. God, shit. Get the fuck out of here. Or something dumb like that. Just some like filler track from like a too short album. Like, yeah, get that out of here. But what he's saying in this is that it is a perfect album. Five Zeus slaps out of five. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, as a joke, make sure you all support the realest dude in rap when his album drop next week. And it's Sean Price cover of the album Mike Tyson. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. So Gambino, uh, Pretty Tony, 2013, a collab that he did with... World's busiest music critic, Anthony Fantano, a.k.a. The Needle Drop. The Needle Drop reached out to him. He literally just posts the, the, the text, <laughs> the, the, the chat log between him and, and Anthony. But uh, I'm kind of feeling this one. You can really feel Anthony's like voice in this. I'm kind of feeling this one. Anthony Fantano is like, I swear they must have took a photo of him and based like the Facetune algorithm <laughs> off that guy. I think, I think, I think he's... I think he has an interesting opinion. I think he's wrong a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think he's really wrong. Yeah. But when he is right, he's like he's usually right in the way that other music journalists aren't. What makes Needle Drop worth listening to just is the fact that like he has a point of view and it's fairly consistent and there's no you know, there's no mistaking that like he likes this but he doesn't like that and he has no bones about like saying, Yeah, this just isn't my thing. It's a light six or whatever. It's fairly, you know, fairly consistent. And when he's wrong about something, he'll come back and be like, you know what? I actually kind of turned on this record and it was actually kind of all right. So that's the thing that's kind of missing because I don't know these pitchfork people by name. I don't know any of them. You know, I don't, I've never seen their faces. I don't know what any of them sound like. I read all the reviews and the, the four or five different people that are reviewing stuff that I listen to all sound the same. Yeah. Like, there's no point of view. There's no personality to it. So at very least, I will give him something like uh, Big Ghosts in particular or, you know, him. 
at least they have a point of view, a personality. There's yeah. something. They're saying something. They're doing something interesting with it. I might not agree with it. Same like with like Roger Ebert. I might not agree with the movies that they like. I never understood why Roger Ebert was uh, endorsing Steak and Shake when he couldn't eat solid food. <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble on the internet tweeting that to him. Uh, do you remember that? Yes. I do. <laughs> Like I'm like I'm really sorry that I have to like I was just one of those things so many times like I'm I'm at the steak and shake in North County that always fucks up my food and I got yeah. sit here and watch these little chevrons on the side yeah. of the building like Roger Ebert I give this a five out of five like motherfucker was last time you ate one of these it wasn't in a blender probably it had probably been a while at that yeah. point you're right but, I, but maybe that was me of me but I was just like my dude like. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's a good question. Like, get get somebody newer that people know about. I mean, he was still alive. No, he was still alive. But you're right; he wasn't eating solid food. I think uh, it was a new campaign. That was a weird thing. It was like it felt like it was a new-ish campaign. Anyway, weird. Yeah, that's that's a very weird choice. Yeah, like it would be like trying to advertise pants to women in Afghanistan. <laughs> you know, just like, huh? Yeah, wear them. Thank you for bringing uh, Big Ghost back to my attention because uh, apparently. And this is what I needed in my life was to read. Yeah, and, and, and we can <laughs> and we can probably our most problematic main subject we've ever done. Probably, but you know that's that's all right. We will do worse, I'm sure, at some point. I'm sure. Um, so, Brian, it's time, of course, for the shock dot JPEG portion of the program. Oh, baby! And now the moment you've all been waiting for: shock dot JPG. Oh, baby! Now. You're familiar with Encyclopedia Dramatica, Brian? Of course. Uh, I was terminally online playing Team Fortress 2. There was a page on Encyclopedia Dramatica called Girls to Date. Mm-hmm. Uh, it begins rather normally. It says, scroll down slowly and you'll have the best time of your life. So, of course, there's some attractive women and some nice uh, Japanese women in cosplay. You've got a, a, a woman. I, I definitely feel that the mindset of the person that put this together <laughs> <laughs> and then a uh, person fishing a giant turd out of a of a toilet bowl and the uh, uh, hairy goatsy man that we've seen before uh goatsy goatsy uh, full-on uh, dick suck and an extended uh, an alternate take of goatsy where it shows uh his uh, his little rosebud there his uh prolapsed anus i had not seen that particular photo from that before as well as other parts of the series including him um, um, kirk stretching his ass with a dildo some other angles of oh, that i've never one. seen before oh that that was a lot of fiad flags was back it? in the day yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole series really just kind of goes you scroll down further and further more and more of, this uh, is like long cat but for people that like don't <laughs> talk to their parents here's some two giant dildos stuffed God in damn. kirk's ass yeah, a lot of ass play. It's a lot of the same series, of course. It's a lot of our uh, our good friend, the Goat Man, Goatsy, uh, that gentleman, showing off, and then uh, George W. Bush. <laughs> What's that man doing to his anus? <laughs> uh, you mad, bro? Congratulations, you are eligible to live and work in the United States of America. <laughs> Amazing, fantastic. But when you control someone just by scrolling on a website, that's a fun one doesn't take yeah. a lot of technology it's just it's simple it's very simple you need some g- gross photos and some anime waifus and some patience yeah just a, a lot of fun yeah the- <laughs> that was vulgar girls to date a giant turd always gets me i've seen that one more than once it's just you know you know see it doesn't really phase me because that's kind of that's normal for you that's, that's your part of my yeah that's kind of 
the sin I was born with, I will carry. Are you fishing it out and going, look what I, look what I did? <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> fucking destroying it with an old coat hanger that I throw out the window. You got a poop knife. Well, Brian, it's that uh, part of the program that everyone's mom and everyone's wife loves. It's time for your mom's favorite part of the show. It's time for the breath mint. It's the breath mint where we talk about things that are not that, that are not uh, fishing not, not a giant turd. Yeah. So I'm going to kick off this week because I... So someone had introduced this to me in the early days of the pandemic. It was How To with John Wilson. And I watched the first season and, and at, at that time. And I was like, oh, this is really good. And then I kind of forgot about it. Idly clicking around on HBO Max or whatever it's called. I refuse to just call it Max. Fuck that. I'm sorry. It's just it's like Twitter. It's, I'm not calling it X. One of the most needless rebrands oh, yeah. in modern yeah. history. Yeah. So I'm on Max. I'm digging around there. And then it comes up as suggested. Hey, continue watching. I'm like, oh, there's more. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm midway through season two of How To with John Wilson. What a show. If you've never seen it before, it is a documentary of sorts. It's yeah. uh, a guy takes his camera around New York and just films whatever he sees and then pieces it together with a narration that he's written to kind of tell you how to do stuff. So the first season covered some really silly stuff like, you know, how to make small talk or, you know, and the second season has an episode about how to get good at smelling wine. But almost always during the course of this really simple concept of the episode, it goes off the rails at some point. Like there's an episode about scaffolding, which was a big thing in you know New York City and a couple other places where the construction stuff is going to fall and hit you. So they put yeah. the scaffolding up. But then in the scaffolding episode, it turns into a anti-circumcision thing. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and he he goes to the home of this guy who's like got a device that's going to regrow your foreskin. <laughs> And so there's a guy with his dick out showing you this device. He's laying in his bed. He's got this all hooked up, and it's got like weights and pulleys. And he's like, "Yeah, this way you can sleep." And and full, you know, full. Day. This guy's got no shame. He knows the camera's there. It's it's insane what people will do in front of. Oh, him. and tactivists are like, I know. In free Q, probably the most insane people you could probably meet, like at street corner. Yeah, and and that was it. Was literally he walks to the street corner, he sees this big billboard, and it's about like you know you don't know what you're missing, and like all these things about like intact guys do it better or whatever. And so he he goes on intact. This Were you a dog? Yeah. <laughs> so, but he goes on these journeys, right? There's a whole episode about yeah wine tasting, and then he winds up going to the guy who made Bang Energy Drinks house. What the fuck? <laughs> That dude's also insane. Yeah. You don't ever know where this is going at any given point in an episode. And that's what I think keeps it interesting and fresh to me. It's also just really funny. A lot of visual gags that are that were not necessarily set up anywhere ahead of time. It's just like he'll every episode is what up New York and it'll be a shot of something gross. So they're like, What up New York is a giant pile of trash or it's you know, like what up New York is a guy puking. You know, like he, he clearly is not like New York number one. No, but he's very. Oh, rare. I love this pizza. This is where my this is where my dad first got a heart attack. Right. He's very aware of like the culture and all that stuff and how like this is just one dude's opinion. He has, and it's one of the finest episodes where he's talking about his landlord is this old Polish woman. And it's the oh the episode is how to make the perfect risotto. 
And so he's going to make this perfect risotto for her. But as he's filming the episode, COVID-19 is happening in real time. And so it, it one of the finest pieces of pandemic-related television, because it's very real, it's not cloying, it's not... Yeah. It's just like, we're all trying to figure this shit out. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I can give my downstairs neighbor this risotto that I've made, because I don't know if I'm going to kill her because she's a 90-year-old woman who's sick all the time. It was captures like a very specific moment in time, but it is also fucking funny. And that is a rare thing. Um, so I want to recommend to anyone who can uh, how to with John Wilson. Got to give that sounds one. pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, especially the scaffolding episode, which I, he's, he's going on about scaffolding. And, you know, some people find a way to uh, make uh, scaffolding a part of their sex life. And it cuts to porno of two guys getting jacked off while being tied to scaffolding. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a thing. If you okay. And then it's just making sure this is up to code. <laughs> it's never mentioned again. It just comes and goes, just like the guy with the the guy with the foreskin regrower. Just, those moments just hit you and go, What the fuck did I just see? That sounds it's incredibly a hoot. bizarre. I'm into it. It's a hoot. It's and Nathan Fielder, of course, uh, executive produced it, so it kind of <laughs> you kind of know it has that uh, that feel to it. And some of it's some of the writing is in second person, so you go to see your landlord, right? An interesting experiment. And somewhere in the second season, he switches from you to I, and I didn't notice it until like the next episode. Like, how long has he been saying I? And I had to go back. Like, oh, that's interesting. At some point, he just went, fuck this. I'm saying I. <laughs> this is actually about me. Brian, what have you been up to? Being very sick. Mm-hmm. So uh, my girlfriend and I just watched more Saw movies. Because yes. I was pretty much not wanting to live. Uh, and unable to live in a normal way for a number of days. And guess you didn't have any six days left at work. So I just kind of had a fucking... <sighs> yeah, I uh, really hate how much we have politicized health particularly public health in this country because you know right now as it stands we have one side of the aisle saying like oh you know covid isn't real the vaccine the jab's gonna let bill gates know when you pp you know all <laughs> yeah, this we were stuff. supposed to have been dead multiple times by now oh yeah the vaccine dead and gay and <laughs> then the other side is like oh the, the, the pandemic's over yeah. So uh, both sides are, are really, I think, trying to, in their own way, create as much death, destruction, and disability as possible. And so it Not creates th- <laughs> yeah. So it creates a thing where like a guy can show up to work, say hypothetically, and have a cough that would clear a fucking city bus, mm-hmm. and no one really says much to him about it. Maybe some people make some comments like, "Hey, man, you should probably go home." And he's like, "I'm fine." And then you got a guy like me who's fucked up. Yeah. Got long COVID, and all of a sudden I have a, a infection in my lungs again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm the one that like feels like he has to walk around work wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. But that guy doesn't have to. Right. What a world, dude. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really a big fan of this whole like capitalism thing. Is no. either one of those things where it's like I feel like as far as the world coming to like a, a sudden and sharp stop, that like it's I'm kind of sometimes I feel like come on, man. Hurry, just hurry it up like this ain't getting any better it might be a net positive uh, yeah fucking <laughs> let's see what the fucking uh, amphibians got mm-hmm. let them become hyper intelligent 
dolphins, whatever. I mean, so yeah, just been feeling like someone's been grinding their heel into my chest for the better <sighs> part of two weeks. So that's cool. Not COVID, just like uh, acute oh. bronchitis, which it might as well be just how you feel. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, Jesus. Anyways, so we watched so a bunch watching of Saw. Saw. Um, and they're all starting to blur together now. Yes, yes. Um, You're at the four, five, and six part where it's uh, they're starting to lose the identity of the movies, and it's not really... Yeah, so... It's essentially, it's essentially six episodes of a prestige television series instead of three movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. So I think when I last spoke about it, I think we dropped I believe, golf at three. Yes, I believe you. So then we've watched the, four through seven. Oh boy! Okay, and big chunk of the oeuvre as you were. Yes. Yeah, I think four four is interesting. Where we get introduced to the FBI guy and that's four. So we did okay. talk about okay, four. Okay, so we about so, yeah. the two guys that you can't tell apart. <laughs> and then five, Hoffman is he gives himself a tracheotomy oh god yeah and so the whole entire movie he's got a a, a bandage over his throat so at least you can talk like this yeah <laughs> at least you got something to go by yeah so you yeah. got that and then um he gave himself a tracheotomy to get out of a trap that someone had put yeah him. i think actually that part was cool yeah i thought that was actually kind of i mean there's a little some stuff contrived about it this is where everything really starts to go off the fucking rails. Oh, triple double crosses. People who were dead for you know other movies are now back, and yeah, um, the return of Carrie Elwes. Yeah, I love that uh, yeah. showing up at the end of six. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so five, I think, might be my favorite. Uh, mm. that is out of the first outside of the first two, right? Because I think um, what the um, the individuals do in the main game yeah. that's kind of the thread th- for everything um, is really interesting because you've got four people is it four or five people they wake up and they're in a trap yeah. and they kind of know what they're in like at this yeah. point Jigsaw is a known quantity and, and it's very much familiar because you've seen multiple people in one trap in two so you kind of there is a British guy who who knows what what's going on more than anyone else and no one wants to fucking listen to him Mm-hmm. And someone basically leaves him for dead in a second part of this this game, and he dies, even though he was the one that probably would have gotten them all like through it alive. Yep. And then of course you find out through this like everyone's a piece of shit, and they maybe deserve to be tortured a little bit. You know that was interesting. I think that was probably like one of my favorite sequences in the whole series I've seen. It ends in a really bizarre way, but also. It's super fucking cheesy because the story that's happening outside of that game is like some weird 1990s BBC like drama <laughs> shit oh, yeah. that's trying to be like a procedural maybe a little bit. It's yeah. trying to have a little bit of drama and some weight, but the acting just isn't there. No. Yeah. Um, the guy that plays the FBI agent. Uh, that's the guy, Strom? The guy who ends up being Jigsaw's accomplice. Hoffman. Hoffman. Oh, yeah, so Strom is the one that has the... See, you can't fucking tell them no, apart. No, you can't tell them apart. <laughs> They're beefy white dudes. I don't know. <laughs> I can't even One guy is skinnier than the other, and the other one has... One is slight, slighter in build, and the other one has a worse haircut. Otherwise, it's the, the characterizations are a little too similar. The detective... Yeah. I, just, yeah, even describing this, I lose the thread, because it's... I know. Like, There's just so much going it's on. There's so much going this. on. So that movie's whatever. Six 
is where it gets really weird. Five did have, by the way, Julie Benz appearing in it. That was the first Buffy actor to appear in a Saw movie. Just uh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, six six gets weird because uh, it's uh, you know post recession. the The main person being tortured here is a CEO at a insurance company. Yeah. Folks, yeah. folks, <laughs> I, I can I can see I can see what's his face getting out the big chalkboard. Talk about how Saw has gone woke. <laughs> The radical leftist ideology of Saw. Yeah, yep, yep. And that one had some good bits. Yeah. Well, because at the end of Five, uh, Hoffman kills Strom, which was the guy that they looked alike, so that was over. Yeah. Uh, uh, But then somebody finds out that Hoffman killed Strom, and so that's a whole level of intrigue there. Uh, And and some of the reveal of that is kind of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. Jigsaw's wife gets in on it, Mm -hmm. and uh, that goes some interesting places. Some of the traps are pretty interesting. But it's a fucking weird ending. That's the one where, if I remember correctly, Hoffman and Jill are kind of playing opposite ends of the of yeah. the thing, and so like he puts her in a trap. Isn't that the one? No, no, that's seven. I came again. I just watched these movies, <laughs> but this one ends with her putting um, him in the reverse bear trap. Oh, it, that's right. It's, it's, she puts him in the trap and right. he keeps it from killing him by putting it between a shelf. Right. So it those just two bars in a, in a door window. Yeah. So it just tears his cheek up. Yeah. And he's able to get it off. And then, and then in the seventh movie, yeah, saw 3d saw 3d or as the final chapter as it is on Amazon, <laughs> which it is not by the way, cause saw 10 is coming out. <laughs> and there's also jigsaw and there's spiral. True. Seven is one of the worst things I've ever seen, and I've seen many of the American Ninja movies. Yeah. yeah. It's it starts it's incredibly misogynistic. Oh, absolutely. It opens with that awful the girl cheated, so the guys are gonna chainsaw her. Yeah. yeah. Who wants her love and they decide to let her and there's just a, bad, a lot of bad gore, not a lot of good practical effects. The yeah. least say of the other Saw movies for all their faults that a lot of the practical effects kinda fucking hit right. Yeah, and I think part of that too is that the 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 handoff to this guy Kevin uh, Greatert, who did six, but for whatever reason seven, it, it does hit different. Like you said, it, it, I I can't in good conscience like say seven's even a good movie because it's yeah. not even entertaining. Like there's people that come back from the 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 one guy that survives from the first movie, the Doctor Carrie Elwes. Yeah, yeah, he comes back. And he's in it for all of five minutes. Right. It's not nothing's good about it. The main plot. There's some stuff that is actually interesting about the main plot about the guy that's being tortured. Sure, but nothing is written around it or produced around it well enough to work. And one of the things that my girlfriend kept saying to me while we were watching these movies, I would point out inconsistencies and things like that, and she'd be like, "Babe, you got you got to stop thinking. These aren't thinking movies." Despite all pretense to the opposite, they are not thinking. Movies. Well, like the yeah. first two or three movies at least had something to gnaw on, but they really just these screenplays don't deserve <laughs> another pass. They deserve to be rebuilt. Yeah, these I mean, treatments must have been fucking like on a napkin. Because even they have the one wonderful cameo from Lincoln Park's Chester Bennington in this in Seven. Uh, Wait, is that really? That's Chester. Because I made a joke. I was like, "Oh, it's the dude from." Lincoln. It is. It was. It was his uh, <laughs> one of his first and only acting roles. Yes, that amazing. Was, that was Chester. But I mean, that mean, dude pieced out. Yeah, he sure did. But, I mean, uh, the cast got some interesting additions on Seven. You had Sean Patrick Flannery from the Boondock Saints. Um, yeah. 
returning uh, Tobin Bells for some reason. Uh, Tobin Bells shows up to be like pedantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He um, shows up to be like, I know you're you're fake. <laughs> you have uh, 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 Carrie Elwes, like we mentioned before, Betsy Russell, who has been the the ex-wife Jill for a, a number of and years. And she dies. You can finally get to see the reverse bear trap kill someone. Right. And uh, yeah, after seven movies, it after finally seven movies, gets someone. I was reading the Wikipedia article for this. Apparently, the director was like, "No, this is going to like answer all the questions." And <laughs> the only question is, "Will the bear trap kill someone?" And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Apparently, this is this movie was going to answer all of the long-standing film questions, the fan questions, and no. wrap up some of the loose ends and all that. And it technically does. But none, none of it in a way that gives like good closure or satisfaction or like that really resonates. And it's like, motherfucker, I just watched all of these movies in the last like 30 days. Yeah. This is bad. Yeah. Uh, one of the underrated things about the Saw movies, though, has been Charlie Clauser's music uh, yeah. going throughout it. Uh, this one, the soundtrack did have some interesting choices. Deer in Gray, Boom Boom Satellites, you had My Darkest Days, and of course... Chester Bennington side project Dead by Sunrise, which I feel is like, well, it's contractually out. If you're if you're a musician <laughs> and you're in a movie, you got to have a song on the soundtrack. You, you fucking look at LL Cool J. Exactly, <laughs> rapping about sharks. Well, thankfully uh, that was not the case with this, but still, um, it it um, you know it uh, deepest bluest. My head is like a bear trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it uh, definitely did not do well according to critics. It is possibly the. One of the worst horror films I've ever seen, and I've seen, and I've worked at a blockbuster. It is probably the worst Saw movie. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely give it that, especially the opening. I mean, just yeah. I mean, the whole movie is based around a really. It's mean. I it's think mean it is, in a yeah. way that the other Saw movies aren't. It does not feel good. After watching these, I'm like, okay, you know, when Hoffman starts being the trap maker and the guy who makes all these decisions. It's kind of a reflection of him versus, you know, what, what Jigsaw started out as. And right. That kind of tracks. It doesn't excuse the movie for being vile in a way that the other ones weren't, you know? like it's, Right. Gore is one thing, but this is just, like, mean. No fun. Because, yeah, like, Hoffman and Amanda's traps, like, reflect their flaws right. as a person and right. their inability to give people a chance. Like, it's it's very vicious. They're very crude right. they don't have the the artistry or the thought that jigsaw's traps are are kind of known for at this yeah point. yeah yeah jesus christ one movie series and still haven't watched jigsaw i haven't watched spiral i guess we'll watch I, we might go see saw 10 when it comes out yeah because i mean jigsaw itself is a prequel of sorts mm -hmm. spiral is almost like a side story you do get to see Chris Rock trying something new with acting. Not quite getting there, but, I mean, it's entertaining at the very least. Wow, another dead white guy. <laughs> I wonder I wonder what he didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn white guys. Always dying like this motherfucker. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I can't do a good Chris Rock, and I don't, I don't think I should even try. He really, honestly, saw... Goddamn, this motherfucker saw off his foot. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you could probably go from Saw 3D, Saw 7, whatever the... I mean, what, they originally wanted to call it Saw Endgame, so that's a whole other nonsense title. But yeah. it, it, so you can go from that to, to 10, probably, without missing anything. I think for those who are curious or just want to have a little bit of popcorn sure. viewing, 
I think probably drops off somewhere. Like I think most people are going to drop off around five or six. Yep. And I mean, if you really want to see how Hoffman's story ends, maybe six would be your, your yeah. Because I mean, well, the fucking goofy acting the guy plays Hoffman. Oh yeah. Because like when it's he's just... killing, when he's killing uh, Strom or Straw or whatever his name is, Strom, yeah, Strom. You know, and he's in like the the glass fucking sarcophagus, and he's just got this weird look, like he's trying not to fart. <laughs> like I, I like. Like, it's almost one of those things, like, I think he's supposed to be, yeah. like, defiant, but it's almost like, I'm trying not to fart on the elevator. I'm trying not to fart on the elevator. Right. And he's got a bloody nose. Yeah. And it's just, it just doesn't... It doesn't work. Yeah. some really weird acting in these movies. It just feels like they were made in a weekend. Because... <laughs> they, they do tend to have very short uh, filming schedules. Like, yeah. not very... I think, like, three to six months, I think, they knock most of them out. Right. So you've got the, the Clint Eastwood thing where it's like, yeah, you get, like, two takes, man either you get it or you don't and we're going to work with what we got there's a very real shoddiness that starts to come up despite the budget and despite all this stuff i mean they were never high budget movies they were always around 10 million dollars 10 12 million dollars yeah but at least in the first two or three you don't it doesn't the way when you're watching the movie you don't get that feeling that they're cheap you know what i mean saw one to have a very workmanlike quality to them and there's nothing... But that's like a Roger Corman thing where they're like making something out of nothing. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think what happens with some of the later movies is that what they're trying to do, the budget can't support. Or they're trying to go out... They're trying to buy off more they can chew. Or I think the first two Saw movies stay in their lane quite well. Right, they knew what they were. And they yeah. weren't trying to be anything else. And that was that was fine. That was what they wanted to do. Still my favorite thing, and you'll see this when you start watching Sopranos, is that Saw had such a big cultural impact that in The Sopranos, one of the characters wants to be a screenwriter, and so he writes a knockoff Saw script called Cleaver. (laughs) (laughs) And they even show you some of the scenes from this Cleaver movie, and it's like, damn. Well, Tobin Bell's in it. That's right. uh... Whoever produced those scenes for The Sopranos is clearly a fan of these movies and like knows how, like how to frame it, how, how certain things look. And like, they're very much like, it's a loving homage, but it's also very cheesy and, and worse than seven. So enjoy that. That's, that's something that doesn't come until, till much later in the, in the series. But it was such a, a big name that like even Sopranos got to name check it with Cleaver. So that was kind of fun. Amazing. I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean there a lot of horror movies in the early aughts, were like reboots mm-hmm. or bring back something, you know, oh gosh, Frey versus Jason or something like that. I don't know if Frey versus Jason was fun. but Or even like The Ring where you're remaking a Japanese film, you know. The Ringu. That type of thing. That was the big, the big J wave as they called it, uh, which was the yeah. American remakes of Japanese movies. I, and a lot of those movies were, like the originals are really fucking good. I think the mm-hmm. original Ring and the original Juon. Juon, yeah. I think Juon is I saw it with a friend, screened one time yeah. on a Thursday at the Regal <laughs> Theater at the St. Louis Mills Mall, and it was me, my friend, and two other people who were like in the opposite side of the theater, and holy shit, that was just like unnerving, and I remember yeah. leaving the theater and looking at like the other, like it was like a young couple, probably a little bit older than us, because we were probably like 19, just like... That was fucked up. Like it was one of those things yeah. where, like, if you like, we all saw our car crash, but we're not going to report it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. 
Those were movies were fun for a minute, and then they yeah. got weird and kind of lame again. And <laughs> well, it's like any slasher movie. I mean, you look back at Freddy and Jason themselves. Yeah, but like Friday, like Friday Thirteenth. Some of those are really fun. Um, mm-hmm. some of the I would probably say that Nightmare on Elm Street's probably a stronger series. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and you have like such bizarre pieces like Nightmare on Elm Street Two, which I think is one of the best movies of the eighties. It's yeah. so bizarre. It's so thoughtful. Has all this weird subtext that is people are still making hay out of. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Uh, even Dream Warriors, one of the worst entries in the series, at least has something to say and kind of an interesting point of view. And uh, yeah, there's some stuff there. I found this post the other day. Was genuinely excited about it. A guy named Ben Crew, <laughs> and it's he. It's Bill Maher and Jim Gaffigan on Bill Maher's show. Bill Maher, you know, Jigsaw never kills anyone in those movies. And Gaffigan, he definitely does. Mar, watch them again. The choice to live is theirs. Gaffigan, you're saying you could choose to survive the shotgun carousel from Saw 6? Long pause. Maher, I don't count those woke traps. (laughs) 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 Yeah, by the time they got to 6, it was definitely... Yeah, you couldn't survive the shotgun carousel. There's, There's no way. Anyway, this is about the time of the show where we tell you where to find us on the internet. Brian. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Blue Sky Instagram, Twitter, ishotgidbord, I-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D. If you want to check out my music photography, my portfolio is assholemusicphotographer.com. If you want to check out a website I have not updated in a couple months that has words with the photos, it's amusicphotographer.com. My AJJ review is up on the Arts STL. I don't know if I wrote a good review or not. I liked it. I liked it. Thank you. I don't know. Comparing Sean to the the Godhead, I don't know. Maybe I was. That kind of worked. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Big Bird's kind of a big song, and I don't know. It felt like a really nice it way. Worked. And so, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Um, try to think. Uh, got Jeff Rosenstock this week. Oh, fantastic! You going to that? I'm I'm gonna try to convince my wife and kids to go. Cool, that'd be nice. That'd be yeah. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good time. I haven't seen him play in like ten years, so that'll probably be up by next weekend. That's theartsstl.com. Lots of good stuff going up there. Jason, where can they harass you? Oh, indeed, you can find me on Twitter and various other places as Video Crime V I D E O C R I M E. Any other place that's not those things, that's of course Instagram, TikTok. That's Laser Goose C E O L A S E R G O O S E. CEO. You can give us a call, 314 246 9766. That's 314 Ahoy Poo. Shoot us an email, Jason at 48minutesdogsbarking.com. Brian with a Y at 48minutesdogsbarking.com. And of course, patreon.com slash 48 minutes of dogs. Well, this is about the part of the show where we leave you with some new music. Oh, I am so excited. McCluskey has a new album coming out. I heard. Guys so, who, who think like that are really stoked. <laughs> I enjoy them very much. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, the new record is entitled Unpopular Parts of a Pig slash The Digger You Deep. Yeah, The Digger You Deep. I had to look to make sure I wasn't mis- saying that wrong. It is <laughs> Unpopular Parts of a Pig slash The Digger You Deep. That's the EP title. This, of course, the title track from it. Unpopular Parts of a Pig. And as we always say at this time, namaste and good luck. Bye-bye. Bye.
Good seeds come from delicate flowers. That was the horse shit she fed me for hours. I'll slash my nails, I got it by me. I know I'm in the dark, like six that afternoon. I prophesize your death, ay, 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 ay. And that's not the best thing that